Hello and welcome to Afroqueer. I'm your host, Sally Chum. Today you're going to hear from a person on our team who you don't normally hear from, Rachel Wamoto. She runs our social media accounts at Afroqueer Podcast. But today she brings us this story from South Africa. Just a warning, this story deals with sexual assault and gender-based violence. So this story starts with an Instagram picture. I'm always on Insta because I run the social media accounts for Afroqueer. And I follow a lot of queer African accounts. I saw this picture on the account of at Nino Coffee. In this photo, there's a man sitting cross-legged on a bed smoking a cigarette and holding a beer. The bed is held up by concrete blocks. The mattress is torn. There's rubbish on the floor. And underneath the bed lies a woman. Her body is bloody. She is naked except for a bra and underwear which has been pulled down. She looks like she was raped and then killed. But it looked like it was a professional photo, very glossy, like a magazine spread. My first thought was, wait, what is this? Is this real? The photo really hit me. It's an awful picture. I clicked through to the original page and saw a few different photos. And one of them had a caption. One in five black masculine lesbians are raped and stabbed to death by their neighbor guy friend. I knew that lesbian women in South Africa faced a lot of threats, especially in lower income areas. I'd had people speak about it at conferences, I'd seen it in the news, but I hadn't thought about it in the context of masculine presenting women being especially targeted. So in the Kenyan lesbian world, there's labels like studs, femmes, lipstick lesbians, chapstick lesbians, so many labels. I consider myself to be no label. Still, I've had the are you a boy or a girl question so many times, but I've never thought of myself as masculine presenting, at least not here in Kenya. But in that context, in South Africa, they're talking about women who look like me. The Instagram photo had really stuck with me and I was curious. I reached out to Nino, the creator of the images on Instagram. I wanted to know more about the project and more about what masculine lesbians face in South Africa. Um, my name is Ayanda, um, known as Nino Coffee. I'm from Johannesburg. Just a note, when Nino conceived this project, he identified as a queer masculine woman. Shortly before we spoke with him, he publicly came out as a trans man, and we will refer to him as he throughout this piece. Jobek, for me it's scary and why do I say scary as a I used to identify myself as a black lesbian and for me it's not safe as that person even as a trans it's not safe because people are so harmful to us. Nino felt frustrated about what he thought was a lack of interest in the popular media when it came to the rape and murder of lesbians. It's just like oh another lesbian is dead so why should we like give a F, you know, about it? It's because they're living in sin. According to a 2009 report by Action Aid International, 50% of South African women will be raped in their lifetime. Nino started researching cases and he was overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problem. How often it happened, how each case felt the same, how it turned out that most women were first raped, then brutally killed, often by someone they knew. 
the media doesn't want to cover that much, especially when it comes to queer life. Nino thought people needed to see what these crimes looked like. It's, it's a real life thing, so I'm portraying the, how the killings went by, like how a neighboring guy killed a lesbian and then he put her under the bed, you know, so I'm really trying to portray those stories. I really researched about it, so it's not like fiction, it's real life. I did interview these people, how did you find the body, like the families. After researching the crimes, Nino would recreate the scene. Nino himself would play the dead woman in the pose that she was found in. He would get his photographer friend Disco to take the pictures, and then he would post them on Instagram with information about the crime he was recreating. He wanted to start a conversation outside of activist spaces, and from his Instagram comments, it looked like many had no idea about how big this issue was. Some people thought it was real, and I had to explain to them, no, it's not, it, it's not real right now, but it was real to someone, it happened to someone. And some guys were like, whoa, Nino, like, we know, we have heard you. Please stop posting those pictures. We will talk to people. We will talk to our brothers. The project was having an impact on people who saw the images. But not everyone liked the project. It's designed to shock, after all. It is a provocation. Yeah, I've had one, one woman. She tweeted and said, um, why do people have to take images of what happened? Is it art? Like, I can't be reminded of what, what's happening around SA because I already know that I'm unsafe and I already know how I'm going to die. So Nino's photos got reposted across Instagram. One of those accounts was at her mentality, run by a woman called Caesar. She felt drawn to them for a reason. My Instagram is pretty pictures, girls who are confident in themselves, girls who look beautiful, and, but that's like not our real life. 50% maybe, that's my life, but there are many times on weekends where I feel like I'm not safe. When I'm out looking very masculine, I know that I'm gonna offend someone. So this is the reality for some masculine presenting women in South Africa, afraid in their homes, afraid in the street. On paper, South Africa is amazing. On paper, yo, we can marry each other. On paper, we are safe. You know, and that's why the internet will feed you, you know. If you are like gay, it's gonna tell you to go to Cape Town, Long Street, but what happens to the street after Long Street? All the lesbians who died and were violated by people they trusted or men who thought they had right to their bodies. After talking to both Nino and Caesar, I got on the internet and tried to figure out the numbers. Earlier that day, I had heard on the radio that 57 South Africans are murdered every day. And that number seemed insanely high to me. I wondered how many of them were lesbians. Having failed to find anything useful on Google, I went down to the offices of the Saturday Star newspaper to find a crime reporter who would be able to tell me more. I sat down with Shane Gamana. The problem is, is that um, our crime statistics are released yearly, but they don't have a specific section for hate crimes. So essentially you'll have 50,000, for example, that was this year's number, 50,000 reported sex crimes, but there won't be an indication of um, how many of those people were LGBT. I asked Shane if the media is doing enough to publicize these cases. I do think that there 
is kind of a lack in reporting in terms of the media on a lot of these cases. And that um, initially when a hate crime happens, or at least a suspected hate crime happens, that there'll be quite a lot of media attention, but it dies down, I think, even faster than the average sort of um, criminal case that kind of captures the public's attention. And I've noticed specifically when I've been covering the court cases linked to these sort of crimes that it'll start off, there'll be 10, 15 journalists there covering it, you know, from various publications and broadcasters. And by the end, when we finally get to an actual sentence, it's down to one or two. Someone who does document these crimes is Jade Madingwane, a program assistant at FEW, the Forum for Empowerment of Women. FEW is a black lesbian feminist organization based in Johannesburg. When there's a death in a certain area of a black lesbian, um, we are the first people to be called. For Jade, this has never been a reenactment. It is what she does. The society really doc documents um, the violence on women's bodies, right? Um, particularly black lesbian women, you know? Few works directly with the surviving victims or families of those that have been killed. When we monitor these cases, um, what we first do, we make sure that we get, we get the case number. We make sure that um, we, we create a partnership or a relationship with the investigating officer so that we check up on the case, right? Um, we go to the court. Um, if it's a monthly sitting, we go to the, to the court on a monthly basis. 88% of victims who survive tend not to report the crime or go to court. But the Forum for the Empowerment of Women has had a handful of successful cases. So we had a case in 2015, so this has, had been an ongoing case um, of Tembelise Sokela. Um, I think she was murdered um, five if not six years before 2015. Um, so it, it, it had been like an up and down going to court, uh, not getting justice for the, for the, perp, uh, for, for the victim. Um, so she was brutally murdered by a friend. Um, so on, so when we, we went on trial in 2015, the judge, the judge's statement was that this was a hate crimes case, right? It wasn't just an ordinary, um, case of murder of a, of a black woman but it was because she identified as a lesbian. Jade has seen Nino's photo project. I asked Jade if it was too much, a bit too graphic. The depiction was so real for me that I couldn't even take it, you know. It's important for people to see it. Like I, I'm also feeling like because I work in this in this space but other people do not uh, for example, our constituency, they don't see what we see on a daily basis. There are people that are just like, but guys, this is so brutal. You can't even be showing this. But it's important for them to see it. It's important for them to know that th these kind of violences happen to black bodies. A few times while I was reporting this story, people would comment on the way I presented myself. Like, in my interview with Caesar, she kept referring to me while she spoke. If I go out dressed like Rachel, she would say. And for the first time in my travels, I felt vulnerable. I felt at risk. I could be the women in Nino's pictures. When I first saw the picture, I was intrigued and was sitting somewhere in Nairobi. But when you're on location, 
when you speak to the people who have seen this happening in their daily lives, you realize the gravity of what the pictures represent. Nino's pictures impacted me. They impacted Jade, Caesar, and many others who responded on social media. If we don't document ourselves and what has happened to us, there won't be a record. It needs to be reflected that we cared, we protested, and that it mattered. Today, when I go to the Instagram account at Nino Coffee, I can't see the pictures right away. I have to scroll down pretty far, but they're still there. This episode was reported by Rachel Wamoto and Halima Gikandi. Produced by me, Sally Chum, Ida Halinambi, and Mae Francis. Afroqueer is a production of None on Record, supported by the British Council. Thank you to Maya and the Big Sky for our amazing theme song, Power. Follow Afroqueer Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, or on our website, www.afroqueerpodcast.com. I'm your host, Sally Chum. Join us next week for more stories from Queer Africa. Yeah.